Hello and welcome. We're pleased to have you tuned in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. So how can we help those who are struggling? We can be a friend. There are a number of life challenges that we will all encounter in our adult life, either by way of personal experience or by relationship with someone else having an experience. In dealing with these big life challenges, we can be tempted to think that they're very modern day, very here and now issues, and so not able to be relieved by anything the Bible has to offer. Can we draw on the Bible to help someone else? Let's explore that idea as we join Dr. Corbett for the first in a four-part series. He's titled, I Have a Friend Who Struggles With, and tonight's life challenge, Depression. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, one in five Australians aged between 16 to 85 will experience diagnosed depression or anxiety. Every day, six Australians, and, it's, and this was in a report to the Australian Senate, every day, six Australians die from suicide while another 30 attempt it. And this is linked directly to depression and anxiety. When we talk about depression, there's a scale that we might use because every one of us will experience something on this scale. We will because we're human. And I think part of, part of being able to deal with this is, is just simply knowing this. Normal human experience experiences a range of emotions. In fact, if you don't experience a range of emotions, it's actually not healthy. And sometimes we can look at things in life like pain, whether it be physical pain or emotional pain, and we can think life would be so much better if we didn't experience pain. Ever thought that? (laughs) And the problem is pain is designed for our welfare. Life can get tough sometimes and pain will happen emotionally it will be inflicted upon you it will come from within you and I'm going to suggest to you it's not always a bad thing that's the first thing I want you to understand so when we look at this scale we see that on the scale of what we might call depression there is everyday normal sadness everyday normal sadness is something everyone experiences and we experience it for a a range of reasons and i and i was most most appropriately thinking that when someone experiences grief the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one or the loss of a pet we feel a sadness but here's what characterizes this kind of sadness It's short-term. And because it's short-term, in the midst of it, we still have an ability to look forward. That means it's short-term pain, but we have hope. So, if you've ever had a splinter, men know the pain of getting a splinter from pulling out a blackberry or something. It's the kind of hurt that it won't last because eventually it'll cut. For men, it's pretty serious. But still, it won't last. But if you're diagnosed with a disease that doctors call incurable, it changes your perspective. So we get to the the next range, and this is depression. Now, we're not at the point yet 
where we're saying you really should go and see your doctor. And we will say that in a moment. This is also something that according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, one in five Australians will experience. So again, it's not that it's normal, but it's common. It's very, very common. How does it, how is it distinguished from sadness? It lasts longer. Its effects last longer. What also happens when uh, someone experiences depression, there is, a, there is a sense where their hope, their ability to, to look forward diminishes. It is, it is normal for a person to have a perspective that certain negative things in life don't last. That's normal. But when you're experiencing depression, that is a lot harder to see. You feel like this is it. You begin to have thoughts like, I can't go on. I can't handle this. You begin to feel like there's no point to going on. You begin to feel like no one really cares anyway. That's depression. And again, that's, that's the kind of depression that you, you don't necessarily need to see a doctor about. And I want you to hear that that is common. Not saying it's right or it's good, but it is common. One in five Australians, according to the Bureau of Statistics, will experience that. And if you've experienced that, you might just want to wipe the sweat off your brow and go, whew, I'm normal. Because you are, according to the stats. But let's go up the other end of the scale. And here's where we get a little bit more serious. Because this is called clinical depression or depressive disorder. This is not normal. This is longer term. This might last years. And there is an inability to see beyond it. And what happens when you can't see any hope? It's the English word despair despair you see no hope and if you're someone who's experiencing some of the symptoms of depressive disorder and you come to me i'm gonna my first question to you is have you seen your gp all right beyond blue an organization set up to deal with this this is the first thing i recommend seeing your gp but then interestingly they suggest the following time with family and friends. Hmm. Thirdly, exercise. What's interesting is that we were created by a God who by virtue of us bearing his image, and, and his image is an image where he, the, the triune eternal God, the one who has never known anything other than company, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, always existed, always, always existed in community together, has created mankind to be in community. And the interesting thing is we read in Genesis 
2 and 3, that when God came down in the cool of the day to walk with Adam. Why didn't they just sit down? There's something very therapeutic about talking with someone and exercise. Sounds crazily simple, doesn't it? Spend time with people and exercise. The next thing Beyond Blue recommend is diet. What do they mean by diet? Fresh fruit, vegetables, cut back on fatty foods, reduce your carbs, that kind of thing. And fifthly, support groups where you can talk with other people who may be going through something similar. And again, one of the benefits of something like that is that you discover you're not alone. And that what you're experiencing is not uncommon. And then I was intrigued by this one. And I almost wanted to put an asterisk on this one to help them understand what they were trying to say. Relaxation training. And I would suggest that one of the best ways to relax. One of the best ways to relax. Not just your body, but your soul and therefore your mind. Is to learn how to pray. To learn how to do that scripture that we read out before, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care and all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that process of casting your care on him is prayer, being able to pray. So there's six things that Beyond Blue recommend that someone who is experiencing depression should do. Now, what I'm interested in is how we can help our friends who might be experiencing some of these things, these, the, the, the depression that brings mood swings, depression that causes spontaneous, random bursts of crying and just overwhelmed with sadness. There's sadness, we come up the scale, we, we come to depression and it's a... It's a dark time. They call it the black dog. And it's where it's, it, you, your moods almost become involuntary. How do we help someone like that? On the, the back table, there'll be a box of Gideon Bibles. And in the front cover of these Gideon Bibles is words of wisdom from Scripture when, you're, when someone is experiencing certain emotions, such as sadness and grief and loss and so on. And this is the amazing thing about scripture. The Bible actually deals with real people with real problems. This is something that actually makes our Bible unique. Because it deals with real people having real problems, praying some, quite frankly, some really horrible prayers. You might be you know, appalled that I almost sound like sacrilegious in saying that. But some of the prayers that are prayed in the Bible are called imprecatory prayers and it's where people pray from their heart and sometimes they pray the pain that has filled their heart and they are praying in such a way that they are wishing the most violent evil on their enemies and you might think oh gee god must be a twisted kind of god to authorize that no no he didn't authorize it this is someone whose scripture is accurately recording how they felt 
Now, I find this amazing because rather than the Bible pretending that life can be a bed of roses and everything should be going pretty well for those people who love and follow God, we find that the Bible says for people who love and follow God, sometimes life can get really tough. For example, this guy, Job. This is what Job had to say at one point, pretty early on. So he's lost his children, his home, his business, all his livestock, all his wealth, and now his health. He's blighted with pussy boils from head to toe. His hair's fallen out, his skin's gone bleached, he's oozing in pus, he's lying in ash. It's not a good day. And he says this, let the day perish in which I was born and the night that said a man is conceived and it just gets worse from there he is really really down really down and he has to learn a few things but he comes out of it how about this guy King David King David is described as a man after God's own heart he's described as one of the the guys in the Bible who who is one of the forerunners to Jesus. You would think, with that kind of pedigree, this guy had a pretty fun life. <laughs> you would think, he's got it all together. But as we read the life of David, we read that there were times when David was so depressed. And in the midst of his depression, he wrote things like this. Reproaches have broken my heart. So that I am in, remember that word? Despair. That's depressive disorder language. I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. And that is the common outlook of people who are up that end of the scale. When they are experiencing depressive disorder up that end of the scale, it feels like no one cares. Now, when we're dealing with our friends that are feeling like this, remember that. No one cares is their perspective. How about this guy, Jonah the prophet? This is what he says. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And that is common depressive language talk. I can't go on. Life is just not worth living. Jonah experienced it. And you might think, well, these are just old figures. You know, after Jesus came, he poured out the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. And now those that come to know Jesus experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They experience the overcoming, victorious, glory, hallelujah, life of faith. Oh, someone forgot to tell the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Because the Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. That's depressive language talk. That we, here's that word, despaired of life itself. What's he saying? I'd rather be dead. This is the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote 70% of the New Testament. So, here's the question. How can you help someone 
struggling with depression. Here's the first thing. Be caring, listening, and a non-judgmental friend. What does that look like? It's actually, I think this takes a little bit of training. So let me give you some training. Someone says to you, I just don't see any point to living. No one really cares about me. I'm just feeling so worthless. And you say to them, geez, you're an idiot. What a stupid thing to think, you moron. Um, can you see how that's not helping? You might, can I, you might think that, but please don't say it. And you might hear things, and, and I've tried to exaggerate. Please, I've really just tried to exaggerate a really dumb response then. And if you're thinking, no, that's the script I read from, then, then we've, we've really got to make a, a mid-course correction here. Because this is not how you should talk with someone who's experiencing depression. They will say things like that. And what you need to do is to listen, to care, to show them by what you're doing that what they're saying is not true. I said we've got these examples in the Bible of people. We, we could look at Moses. Moses actually prayed at one point, oh God, I'm so down, I don't want to live. Moses prayed that. We've got We've got David, we've got Jeremiah who cursed the day of his birth. We've got these guys in the Old Testament, Jonah. And then we come to the Apostle Paul who says we're in Asia. What we were going through was beyond anything we could reasonably bear. We despaired of even living. You know, there was a season, an episode in Jesus' life where the pressure of living was so great Jesus was in, and I quote, anguish. That's Jesus. Now before you think, oh man, if Jesus can't even do life, what hope is there? I want you to notice what he did because he's the perfect man. And this is what he did when he was experiencing normal human emotions. This is what he did. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. When Jesus was about to enter into an episode of his life that was going to bring him into anguish, he wanted his three closest friends near him. Did they understand that? No, they clearly did not understand that. So how can we help those who are struggling we can be a friend who tries to understand what they're going through. Now, I introduced that passage and I now want to introduce another one where he looked to those same three people and he took with him Peter. This is another episode. This is about a week later. Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Jesus was going through something that he described or is described as great distress, anguish and great trouble. And what was his way of dealing with it? Be with people. Isn't that interesting? The perfect son of God, God incarnate, is going through human emotions of distress and anguish and depression. 
And here he is. I need people around me right now. That's Jesus. So when you're helping someone who's struggling and they say, I don't want to see anyone, knock on their door anyway. Go around and see them anyway. They may not think they need you, but they do. We come back to Paul. Paul said this. When he was going through his darkest hours and life had knocked some of the rough corners off Paul's life, and you remember when Paul was a younger man, he was very harsh with people. And sometimes our impression of Paul is how he treated people when he was a younger man. And, but here he is toward the end of his life and life has seasoned him. Life has, life has been life to him and this is what he says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. Mark? Mark? Who's this Mark? This is John Mark. Remember John Mark? This is the John Mark that Paul said, there is no way he's on my team. He failed. I'm not having losers and failures on my team. Get rid of him. And now here we are 30 years later. And Paul says, get Mark. And bring him with you. He is very useful to me for ministry. What does Paul learn about people? You draw strength from people. We could see in 1 Peter chapter 4 that it actually says God's manifold and varied grace is at work through the body to one another. How does God get his grace and strength to you in your darkest hour? Through people. Luke was with him. Luke was a channel of grace. But he writes to Timothy. Timothy, when you come, I want you with me at this time. Bring Mark. People. Here's a saying. I don't know who said it. Run alone and you can run faster. And I've met people who just really don't like to delegate. They don't like team. They don't like working with people because it's so slow. Oh, get out of the way. It's quick if I do it myself. Ever met people like that? Maybe you are people like that. (laughs) Run alone and you can run faster. Run together and you can run further. How do you help those who are struggling? Be a friend. Listen to them. Oftentimes it's not having magic words. It's actually just letting them talk it through. Let them talk it out. I'll give you a little tip. This is a training tip. This is something I do. When I arrange to meet with someone who's really down, I will nearly always do this. Arrange to meet again. Have a coffee with them. Say, hey, look, we need to catch up again. Can we do this same time next week? And that's often what I'll say. Same time next week? Why is that important? Because, because you're dealing with someone who, who's not looking forward. They don't think that they'll get through this. They don't think in terms of next week or next month or next year or tomorrow. Arrange to meet next week. What does that do? And I want to introduce this concept I mentioned on the scale of depression, you've got someone who's sad, but at least they've got hope. Someone who's got depression and they, f- they are feeling hopeless, not hopeless, but less hope. 
And then at this end, you've got depressive disorder where they despair. There's no hope. There's no future. I can't see how I can get out of this. So when you say to someone, let's meet again next week, you're actually introducing the concept of hope. You're actually helping them to see forward. And this is really important. A human being without hope is hopeless. And if you've ever experienced hopelessness, it's a horribly dark place. Romans 15 verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with these things that are associated with hope, all joy, peace, in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And what can we offer someone who's really struggling with some kind of depression, somewhere on that scale? Hope. I know it's hard for you to see it right now, but I know you'll come through this. I know you can reflect back on your life and you've been through stuff and you've come through and you'll come through this. You will. And even as cliche as this sounds, everything will be okay. You might think, oh, that's too cheesy. I tell you what, when you're in a really dark place, cheesy sounds good. Because it's actually true. It'll be okay. And it will be okay. Here's something, when, you, when you're being a friend to someone, you're actually loving them. And here's one of the aspects of love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What's the third thing we can do? It is offer hope. And offer hope, not just, hey, it'll be okay, it'll work out. But here's, let's go beyond that. Offer hope through the scriptures. And it says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And it goes on, Romans 15 verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the, notice this, encouragement of the scriptures. What? 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 We might have hope. Through the encouragement of scriptures. So, the fourth thing you can do. God can use you to comfort those who are struggling with depression. Just your presence. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 7, 6. But God who comforts the downcast. Notice that? How does he do it? Comforted us by the coming of Titus. Paul says, God comforts the downcast. And when he was really down, God comforted him by sending a friend, Titus. The tragedy is that one in five Australians aged between 16 and 85 years will experience depression or anxiety. The Bible gives us some guidance in dealing with and responding to an experience of depression, the ultimate being the comfort of God himself. Dr. Corbett continues with this series next week, I Have a Friend Who Struggles With Loneliness. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, I Have a Friend Who Struggles With Depression, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.